Wrestling Federation for over 50 years. A revolutionary force in sports entertainment. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking. I am your host, Archie Mitchell. And that's right, we are back yet again this week with an all WWE edition because, well, WWE put on some pretty big shows. Last week we had uh, AEW's uh, Forbidden Door and Blood and Guts to talk about. This week we are looking at WWE Money in the Bank and NXT's Great American Bash. Both were pretty decent shows. I'm not going to rave about them just yet. And I'll only be raving about a few parts in regards to uh, the shows as an entirety. Um, we will have Grinds My Gears a little later on tonight. So make sure that you stay tuned for the entire show. As those clickbait YouTube videos state, please stay on until the ending. Watch to the ending, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so we're going to go ahead, though, and get in some quick hits before we get into our full show reviews. But before we do, go ahead and crack open your favorite frosty beverage, whatever it might be. Mine is water this evening. And strap in, buckle up, and get ready for the ride as I spew my venom, my hate, and my love for the world of professional wrestling. Quick hit number one. Paige finished up with the WWE this week. That's right. Her full contract has finally uh been done with the WWE. It's run out, and she is no longer under contract to uh, WWE, and she will now be moving on with her life and her career. Paige has said on many different occasions that she fully intends to wrestle again, and that WWE would not clear her to wrestle, much like they did with Daniel Bryan, uh, much like we know that they did with Edge for quite a while before he came back from his injury, and you know, retirement is a big thing for somebody at a young age. So with Paige now being done with the WWE, she has the uh, option to either go to Japan and work for many different promotions such as Stardom or New Japan, Shine, which is New Japan's Women's League. Uh, she could go back to uh, Greenwich or whatever part of Europe that she's from and uh, go ahead and wrestle with her family again. Of course, her, her popular movie, Wrestling With My Family. <laughs> and she could once again enjoy her career there in Norwich. Excuse me, not Greenwich. Norwich, England. Uh, she could go to AEW. She could go to Impact. She could even go to MLW. The choice is strictly hers in what she wants to do. She could even be a free agent and jump around between all of these promotions. Uh, there's been some inkling that she may just sign with AEW. Uh, and go ahead and do for her career what she feels is necessary. In my opinion, I don't think AEW is the place for her just yet. I'd like her to knock off some of the ring rust. I'd like her to uh, get an opportunity to get back in the ring and then possibly go to AEW. If her injuries are more serious, though, than she's letting on, if she hasn't completely healed, and if doctors have told her not to get back in the ring, then I don't want to see her back in the ring at all. I would maybe like to see her in an authority figure role in AEW in that they could put her in a uh, someone watching over the women's division. You know what I mean? Uh, allow her to be not a general manager, but the authority figure for the women. Uh, allow her to have a prominent role on Rampage. Allow her to show her face on AEW every now and then. 
Hell, she could even do her thing in Ring of Honor when they do pay-per-views or if they ever get it their own TV show. Whatever the case may be, I am happy that Paige is doing well. I am happy that she is finally able to um, be done with her WWE career because she has not been in the ring or even seen on television in over a year's time. And I cannot wait to see what the next chapter of her life brings on. I was always a fan of hers when she first debuted in NXT. And when she made it to the main roster, I know she fell on some hard times. But I was very happy when she was wrestling. And I think she's a major asset to whoever does sign her. Quick hit number two, AEW allows another wrestler's contract to expire. Uh, that wrestler is... Dark Order member number five, Alan Angels. You will remember that they allowed Stu Grayson's to contract to also expire. Uh, Alan Angel didn't waste any time, though. We have yet to hear from what Stu Grayson is doing now since he's been done with, the, with AEW. But Alan Angels went right to Impact Wrestling and was actually on their show the last two weeks. He first showed up uh, in a uh, wrestling capacity uh, with somebody in, in the X Division. And then he challenged for the X Division title this past week um, against Mike Bailey in a great outing. Bailey won, but they say that it was an incredible matchup between both of those young superstars. So Alan Angel isn't hurting by AEW allowing his contract to expire. Uh, Tony Khan went on record as to say that he would rather allow a wrestler's uh, contract to expire and then allow them to be free and clear. Um, with the company, you know, not have to worry about a no-compete clause or anything of that nature. And he does not want to have to release anybody because he's never been big on firing people. That's fine and well, but I think it's also a little disrespectful to just tell a wrestler, look, we're not going to only, we're not only going to not fire you, we're going to let your contract run out, but we're also not going to use you for the, like that last month of your contract. So you're basically not going to get paid for the appearances. You're just going to be paid whatever the remainder of your contract is. Um, I like the Dark Order. I, I thought they were a pretty decent act in um, AEW. And I think that they still have longevity in that with Adam Page going and being with them every now and then. Uh, John uh, Silver. Uh, Evil Uno, you know, Preston Vance, who is uh, number 10. You know what I mean? They have a lot of great things going on about them. I don't like that they became a comedy act when Brody Lee passed away. But I guess in, in AEW's mind, they couldn't leave them dirty, rotten heels. So, you know, do what's best for them. But Alan Angels, in my opinion, unless AEW was going to start uh, their own cruiserweight or light heavyweight division, it really doesn't do him any really justice to be there in the company. He wasn't going to win the TNT title. He definitely wasn't going to win the, um, you know, uh, world heavyweight title or world tag team titles. And he certainly wasn't going to get a chance at this new All-Atlantic championship. So he needs a place like Impact or WWE and the NXT brand to get at an X division or cruiserweight division to allow him something to actually fight for. Uh, so, like I said, I don't agree with allowing wrestlers' contracts to expire. Um, we've seen it happen many a times by mistake, uh, where certain companies have, have allowed uh, contracts to expire without anyone knowing. Lex Luger being one of the biggest because he showed up on WCW the very next night. 
Uh, but, um, you know, I guess in this case, it wasn't really anything that big of a loss to AEW. Uh, I hope Alan Angels has a great career. I hope that he finds a uh, company that will uh, give him something to actually fight for and enjoy his career again. And uh, we'll see what happens down the line with him. Finally, quick hit number three. I spoke about this a couple of weeks ago in regards to the Vince McMahon uh, $3 million hush fund. And I know I came off a little hard at the fans saying that we all enjoyed uh, Vince's antics in the Attitude Era. But now more is coming to light. Uh, apparently, the WWE, WWE's first female ring announcer um, has accused Vince of rape. And also, another hush fund with $12 million that's been paid out um, has surfaced. And this went to a couple of former divas who were on the roster and were used to get rid of them and shut them up. One of which was supposedly um, sent down to one of the WWE's developmental uh, companies and then fired. Uh, she was someone that Vince actually had a sexual escapade with. And then he asked her if she wouldn't mind going down and training so that he can give her a bigger push on the main roster once she came back. She was all for it. She went down to the main roster to that, you know, I believe it was either OVW or uh, Heartland Wrestling Association, or one of the smaller developmental schools that they were using at the time, she went down uh, to uh, one of these smaller schools to begin training and then was let go a little while later. Um, in all honesty, there have been some names that have been thrown out on who it could be. Uh, I'm not going to say those names, though, because I do not want to uh, put that out to light. We don't know who they are yet. We don't know who these women were because there have been a couple other ones who Vince had sexual relationships with and then paid off and made them go away. Um, in any case, it seems to me, look, I, again, I stand by that the Vince McMahon character in the Attitude Era and him doing what he was doing to women didn't bother anybody then. But I will say this, if Vince was sexually harassing, raping, or making any of these women to feel like they were objects and making them feel like they were less than. Shame on him. You understand? Money doesn't make everything go away. Case in point, he's now being investigated in regards to this. Case in point, these women are now apparently coming to the daylight and saying, hey, this guy did bad things to me. Uh, so, you know, he should have realized in doing this that maybe he could have been a little nicer instead of just cutting a check and saying, go away. You know, he, he didn't have to sexually harass. He didn't have to force himself on anyone. And he certainly didn't have to do things that way. I don't care if it was a different time and age when he started doing it. In this day and age, though, with these women now coming out, Vince McMahon could very well see uh, himself canceled. Yes, there is still cancel culture. I may not always agree with it, but you may see people say or call for the canceling of the Vince McMahon uh, person. Not his character, but him in real life. We may never see him on television again. Um, you know, there may be people who just say they, he should be sued. Uh, there may be people who say that he should be given jail time for this. In any indication, Vince McMahon has used his power for the wrong reasons this time around and will now eventually pay more than he ever thought he would have to 
um, in order to get this uh, off his back. Another thing that came out and came to light because of this was um, Netflix canceling the Vince McMahon docudrama that they were planning. Uh, that is off the table. I don't know if it'll ever be back on or not. But, um, yeah, that is done. Uh, he was not seen on Raw or SmackDown this week. We know the last couple of weeks he's been popping up on Raw and SmackDown to do some stupid announcements just to show his face on television more. It was kind of like an F you to everyone who maybe was criticizing him and, you know, placing blame on him. Um, but I will say this. I am happy that Stephanie McMahon and her husband, Triple H, are at the helm. And I hope that Vince McMahon is not allowed anywhere near creative from here on out and that he just goes home. Spend some time with your grandkids, Vince. Enjoy yourself. Go home and be with your family. Because if things go down the way that they're looking like they're going to go down, you may not get any time with your family after this. So might be time to uh, put an end to the whole Mr. McMahon character. Yeah, I know I stuttered there a little bit. But yeah, the Mr. McMahon character may be going bye-bye. Moving on to our WWE Money in the Bank uh, review. Money? Money, 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 money. <laughs> uh, WWE put on their Money in the Bank pay-per-view last Saturday night. A little weird for them to be doing a pay-per-view on a Saturday, but they've been doing that more and more lately. Uh, kind of confuses the hell out of me when that happens because I end up going into the next day thinking, no, it's Monday, and it's actually Sunday. But never let it say that WWE does not do things to drive its fans crazy. Uh, Money in the Bank was uh, a pretty decent pay-per-view, maybe one of the best that they've put on in the last year and a half that wasn't called WrestleMania. And even then, some of the WrestleMania moments that we've seen in the last couple of years have not been all that great, so... Again, Money in the Bank may be the best pay-per-view we've actually seen in the last 15 or 16 months. Uh, it was opened by the Women's Money in the Bank match. We had Liv Morgan, Alexa Bliss, Lacey Evans, Asuka, Becky Lynch, Shotzi Blackheart, and uh, Raquel Rodriguez. And I will say that the women put on one hell of a show. Uh, Shotzi Blackheart has been getting a lot of criticism for a lot of her botches that went on. But that woman put her body on the line. And even though she botched, she could have been seriously hurt. Becky Lynch also put her body on the line more than a few times and got a couple of botches in there as well. Uh, this was kind of a botch-heavy match uh, in that the women were doing all they could, but because some of them were inexperienced with the ladder, they were falling short, literally. Um, Oscar did a great job, but I'm tired of fun, comical Oscar. I'm tired of the... All that stuff that goes on with Asuka. I'd like her to stop that, all the dancing around, all the funniness, all the BS, and go on to just be a badass like when she was in NXT. We don't need comedy right now. We need good wrestling. Raquel Rodriguez did a fantastic job as well. But I will say this. They are putting her out to be a face way too much. This woman went from being a female version of Diesel in NXT. Because when she was with Dakota Kai, I likened them to HBK and Diesel in the early 90s. 
she went from that monstrous killer attitude to now loving puppy dogs and sunshine and all that other BS. It's getting tiresome. And even during the Money in the Bank match, it's almost like she was stopping to check and see if her opponents were okay. You want somebody to be a monster and a beast, let them run through everybody. You, you know what I'm saying? It, it just seemed a little weird. Uh, Alexa Bliss did a, a great job, as did Liv Morgan. Lacey Evans is falling flat to me. And it's no fault of her own. I just think that she's really kind of bad in the ring. And even with the botches the other women were doing, you can really see that Lacey kind of looked out of place and just wasn't doing anything in, in the match. Becky Lynch looked like she had the match won a couple of times, as did Alexa Bliss. But much to the surprise of everybody, Liv Morgan got the win. And I will say congratulations to Liv Morgan. You deserve this push. And I think she was the right choice. I thought it would have been Becky or Raquel to get the win. But they went with the underdog, which is a little surprising. But I do think it was the right choice here. The fans popped something fierce. They were screaming and yelling for Liv. And after all the hardships and pain that she's had to endure in her career, with her teammates being fired and best friends leaving the company and being all left all alone and having to battle back and actually become a pretty great women's wrestler right now, she deserved it. Moving on to our next matchup, the United States Championship match between Austin Theory and Bobby Lashley. This was a really good match, but it was not because of Austin Theory. Yeah, he played the chicken shit heel role the whole time, great, fine, and well. But Bobby Lashley gave in this match as much as he took, if not more giving. He let Austin Theory uh, pull off some crazy-looking reversals. He did not look to take this youngster's head off right away. And like I said, I give it all to Bobby Lashley. He is a consummate professional, and I think that he did all he could in this match to make it as good as it was. Uh, Lashley took Theory's finisher. Uh, he took everything Austin could throw at him. And in the end, though, Bobby Lashley got the win. He becomes the United States champion two days before 4th of July. And you want to know the truth? He deserves to be champion. Whether it's the world title or the United States title, as long as Bobby Lashley has a belt around his waist right now, it's right. It is right. Because he is one of the hardest workers. He is one of the best workers. And I can say for sure... Bobby Lashley has grown leaps and bounds since returning to the WWE. In my opinion, he needs that U.S. title around his waist right now so that he has a reason to be defending and on TV constantly. They ain't going to give him a world title run right now because Lesnar and Reigns have got that on lockdown. But United States title, just fine. I kind of wish that they'd give Drew the Intercontinental title. Uh, because Drew McIntyre is the is just like Bobby Lashley in that he's grown leaps and bounds since leaving the WWE, going to Impact and then coming back. And he does need a title so that he can remain on television and actually have meaningful, meaningful feuds. But I don't want the belt taken off of Walter, so Drew's got to go without a belt. <laughs> Next matchup was the WWE Raw Women's Title match, and Bianca Belair took on Carmella. This match was okay. There was nothing great about it. Nothing really big done. <coughs> Excuse me. No big moments. Nothing really big done. 
no high spots. And that's fine. Not every match needs a high spot. But it came off as bland. Uh, it was almost like these two women didn't really know how to work with each other, even though we've seen them in the ring with each other quite a few times. Uh, Bianca is not really a great champion. Uh, she doesn't know uh, where to, like, you know, it, it just seems to me that she kind of wanders around the ring a little bit. She's a great athlete, and she's fine chasing the title. But as far as when she becomes champion, she looks like a deer in headlights. Carmella, beautiful woman. Great in the ring, but again, sometimes in big matches, she just does not deliver. And this was one of those times. Uh, neither woman just, they didn't have a great chemistry at Money in the Bank. Bianca got the win, though. She is still the women's champion. Somewhere down the road, she'll probably encounter a Raquel Gonzalez or someone on the Raw roster who is, you know, someone that they could take the belt off of her and put it on. Without someone saying, oh, well, they only did it because it's Becky and she's returned, you know, blah, blah. The last time she lost the title after a six-month reign, people were pissed. I'm just hoping this time around they understand it's not because, you know, they wanted to do it because of racism or any problems there. It's because it was time to move on. Tag team title matchup was next. The undisputed WWE tag team champions of both Raw and SmackDown, the Usos, taking on the Street Profits. This was unbelievable. You know, I, I mentioned that the New Day and the Usos are the two tag teams that have had the best matches possible. Well, the Street Profits can be added to that as well. They, Them and the Usos have delivered constantly in every match that they've ever had. The problem I'm having is, is that it's just been those three tag teams lately. I'm happy that the Viking Raiders have made a comeback. I'm also happy that new tag teams are being made. But these two teams definitely delivered. Uh, Montez Ford has been on a tear and doing things I've never seen anybody do in that ring. Uh, the, 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 the sheer height that that man gets on his leapfrog, his, his frog splash, and his dive over the ring post and into the ring is ridiculous. Uh, his partner, on the other hand, Angelo Dawkins, he's okay. They work well as a team, but if they were to ever split up the Street Profits, uh, we'd basically be looking at Montez Ford being pushed, and Angelo Dawkins being the Marty Jannetty. The Usos are the Usos. They've been one of the best tag teams for the last six or seven years running. Uh, my only problem with them is that they are overpushed, and it seems like whenever Jimmy gets in trouble, Jay and Jimmy get a title reign, and that's where this one started from, and it's going to continue. I get they want to have all the bloodline with gold around their waist and all undisputed and everything like that, but it's time for the Usos to drop the belts. They did not, however, drop them. In this matchup, Jimmy and Jay hit a 3D. Yes, they used the Dudley Boys finisher, got the win. And then at the ending of the match, we get to see a video showing that Montez's shoulder was actually being lifted up by Jimmy during the pin. So case in point, the match should have never have ended. So that means the Street Profits are going to get another title shot. I kind of hope they win the belts, but I think that the WWE is hell-bent on keeping those belts on Jimmy and Jay as long as as uh, Roman is the world heavyweight champion, undisputed champion. So we go to our next matchup. It's the SmackDown women's title match, and it's Ronda Rousey taking on Natalia. I am not a huge fan of Natalia. I think that she is overbooked and overpushed. Uh, she has not done anything really worth getting a title shot uh, recently. So this match really made no sense other than she asked for it and she got it. 
her and Ronda have some history. They had an okay matchup, a lot of back and forth with submissions. Natty legitimately did injure Ronda during the matchup with her knee. Um, you know, when I say legitimately, I mean in kayfabe. Ronda played the knee up the whole matchup. Uh, Natty continued to work it over like a good heel does. So they had a good match, okay to good match. Ronda ends up getting the win out of nowhere with the uh, with a submission. She transitioned from a ankle lock into the armbar. Natty finally uh, taps out. And then as Ronda is celebrating, Liv Morgan's music hits. And you see Ronda Rousey go, oh, shit. And look, I, I know. Wrestling is the predetermined. It's planned. This had to be known that it was going to happen. You seeing Ronda Rousey, though, the world's most dangerous woman, the baddest woman on the planet, go, oh, shit. And you can see it. Plain as day on camera was hysterical to me. Liv comes out, cashes in immediately, and Ronda actually gets her in the ankle lock within three seconds of the match starting. It looks like Liv might tap and have a failed cash in, but no. She reverses, takes Ronda down, gets a roll-up victory. Liv Morgan is your winner and new SmackDown Women's Champion. Ronda gets up, presents the title to Liv. Uh, still selling the knee injury. Good to her. Good for her. Uh, and she congratulates Liv, raises her hand, walks out of the ring, and Liv has her moment. She celebrates with the women's title. We've got a new SmackDown Women's Champion. Pretty good way to have uh, someone cash in less than two hours after winning the women's Money in the Bank matchup. I kind of knew that it was going to happen, but I thought it would be Becky and that Becky and Ronda would start their feud over again. But uh, who knows? Uh, Liv is supposedly going to be re defending the belt against Ronda in a rematch uh, coming up at SummerSlam. So it'll be interesting to see do they let Liv beat Ronda again. This time without the cash-in, cleanly, no injury. Or do they allow Ronda to squash Liv and become SmackDown champion yet again? In any case, Liv Morgan's cash-in, way to go. Really well done, WWE. The same pop she got for winning Money in the Bank. She got that same pop, if not a louder one, for winning the women's title. And we go to our main event now, the men's Money in the Bank match. And... I have to say that I did not enjoy the men's Money in the Bank match as much as I enjoyed the women's. And that's going to contradict, it grinds my gears in a little while. But stay tuned, I promise you. Um, before the match even started, out comes um, the Raw, I guess, general manager, Adam Pierce. I don't know what he is. The authority figure, uh, the, the, the head guy in charge, whatever you want to call him. Uh, and he announces that they're adding... Uh, another competitor to the matchup, and that competitor is Austin Theory. Nothing like having a wrestler who just lost get put into a matchup where he can get another title shot. So now we've got Austin Theory, Drew McIntyre, uh, Madcap Moss, Omos, Riddle, Sami Zayn, Seth Rollins, and Sheamus. Now, if you pay attention, you've got three former world heavyweight champions. You've got a couple of former world tag team champions, a couple of former intercontinental champions, and then you've got a former United States champion in Austin Theory. So everyone's held gold. Everyone's had an opportunity to shine at their time in WWE. 
it was an okay match. It was not bad, but the women seemed to have worked a little harder. They were also opening the show, though, and the fans were actually behind the women a little more than they were the men here. There was a lot of booze going on. Now, I don't know if that was because Austin Theory got added to the match or not, but whatever the case may be, uh, it just did not seem like the fans were behind any of the men in the matchup. I'll go on to explain more. Everybody in the matchup put Omos through a table. It took six or seven guys to put this seven-foot-four Nigerian through a table. The crowd didn't even pop for it. The crowd looked dead. They were just sitting there. There wasn't a wow. There wasn't a this is awesome or anything kind of chant. It was just a a dead crowd. Uh, Drew McIntyre definitely showing that he can still go. Sheamus proving that he is a driving force in the WWE. Seth Rollins proving why he has been the best thing going uh, in Roman's absence and why he was picked to be uh, Cody Rhodes' opponent. You know, and then Matt Riddle, who's been fantastic lately. Uh, Sami Zayn, who's been good, but a little a little pushed down our throats slightly. Uh, and Omos being put through the table. Fantastic. Great. You know, there's that word again. I've said it three times so far this week. My wife, according to, according to my wife, uh, Sarah, I said fantastic nine times last week on the show. I'm done now. I'm not going to say it ever again. Uh, in any case, match, the ending of the match comes with Austin Theory climbing the ladder and winning the Money in the Bank matchup. Now, if you did not realize that Austin Theory was going to win this matchup once he got announced for it last minute, shame on you because that was exactly what was going to happen here. Before he got added to the matchup, you could have argued, well, Seth Rollins deserves it. And he's got the best cash-in possible in the history of the Money in the Bank cash-ins. Drew McIntyre deserves it. Sheamus deserves it. Hell, even Sami Zayn deserves it. But no, we got Austin Theory, who on screen is Vince's Vince's bitch. And at least he doesn't have to pay, what is it now, $15 to keep Austin Theory quiet. You just have to give him the Money in the Bank briefcase. So Austin Theory wins Money in the Bank. The crowd is dead silent. The show goes off the air. I gave Money in the Bank 3.5 out of 5. Uh, the good outweigh the bad, but some of the matches were lacking, and I stand behind that statement. The Bianca Belair and Carmella matchup, uh, the Ronda Rousey and Natalia matchup, and the men's Money in the Bank matchup were kind of lacking in certain spots. But, you know, still a passable grade uh, for Money in the Bank. Moving on to NXT's Great American Bash. Kind of a throwaway opening with dozens of NXT wrestlers having a 4th of July barbecue. Talking about who they think was going to win tonight. They were just missing a little kid who's going to say the British Bulldog's going to win whether he wants to or not. You know, it was one of those old-fashioned openings, but it was just, in my opinion, a throwaway. Um, We go to the ring for our opening match, and it's Toxic Attraction defending the women's tag team titles. Uh, against Roxanne Perez and Cora Jade. Great opener. I enjoyed all four of these women. They were technically sound. They did a great job going back and forth. Gigi Dolan continues to prove that she is a powerhouse in NXT. And in my opinion, if they break up Toxic Attraction, she should be an NXT Women's Champion 
sooner rather than later. Uh, JC Jane, she is a great tag team partner for Gigi Dolan. What do I mean by that? Well, if they break up Toxic Attraction, I don't see JC Jane sticking around or really doing anything that big after that. She only works in a tag team. Cora Jade is slowly becoming a tremendous force in NXT. She has given Mandy Rose a run for her money for the women's title on more than one occasion. And she was a star since uh, War Games. So, you know what I mean? And Roxanne Perez, I will say this, to go from the ROH Women's Champion to now being in NXT and winning the breakout tournament and actually showing her skill, she's great. Perez and Jade get the win after a code red by Roxanne Perez of that sunset flip powerbomb. I, I can't, I have to say, great opener for NXT. Tony D lets Legato know that he's taken Santos out and he's laid up in the hospital. Tony praises Electra and says the rest of the crew have to prove themselves next week. Now, you know how I feel about this whole feud. Uh, I kind of wish they would have just let it be matches instead of, you got to join my family, I'll join your family. You're not a part of the family. What I'm thinking is, is that once Santos comes back, they're going to have one more blow-off match, and I would not be surprised if Electra Lopez ends up turning on Santos Escobar and joining Tony D and company. Tony D is down one henchman, though, because two dimes or 17 dimes or a nickel and a penny, whatever his name was, got fired by the WWE. So he isn't being used anymore on NXT. So it's just Tony and Stacks. Uh, so that's going to be a little interesting to see. If Tony D does go to war with uh, Legato, who's going to be backing him up uh, when he only has one henchman? We then go to the ring for Trick Williams taking on Wesley. Uh, this match was really short. This shouldn't have been on the card for the Great American Bash. The match was all of three and a half minutes long. I wanted to see these guys actually have a stellar back and forth match. Instead, what we got was Wesley kicking Trick's butt for the first two and a half minutes. Trick then used ether or whatever it was in that bottle on a rag to uh, knock out Wesley and then hit his finisher and got the win. So, yeah, three-and-a-half-minute match. You're calling this sort of like a pay-per-view, but it's on free TV. Maybe don't do that kind of crap. Wendy Chu and uh, Tiffany then have a uh, brawl that starts in the backstage area and goes all over the arena. And then they come to the ring to have their matchup because now they have a one-on-one -on -one encounter. And I like the backstage brawl leading to the ring and their match just beginning after that. Both women showed determination and heart in this one. I have to say, I was very hard on Tiffany Stratton when she first got to NXT. I thought she was just going to be, you know, another version of the Bella Twins or Lake Cool. But as one woman, just, you know, everything was ill to her. And, you know, she's a millionaire and all that. But no, she's actually transitioned into a great wrestler. Uh, and her character isn't as annoying as it once was. The Wendy Chu character is a little funny for me. Because if you remember, Wendy Chu was with Boa and Xia Lee, and she was that ominous figure sitting in the chair. She looked like a monster, like the uh, the little girl from the ring. And now here she is as a sleeping uh, uh, a women's wrestler who uses pillows and, uh, you know, a sleeping five-star frog, frog splash from the top. It's funny for me. It, what a transition character. Uh, 
But in any indication, they actually had a really good matchup here. Uh, the women are showing off tonight big time in uh, NXT at the Great American Match. And uh, Wendy picks up the win. Good good way to really put the, these two women on the map. And I hope their feud is done so they can both move on and do something else. But something tells me we'll get one more matchup just for the hell of it. Apollo Crews comes out next and he cuts a promo in the ring and talks about making his kids happy, making himself happy, and which title he's going to target. He gets interrupted by Giovanni Vici, uh, who was formerly with Walter, and a match is made for next week. Now, I liked Apollo Crews when he first debuted, and I thought that he was a great fighting every man's champion when he won the Intercontinental in the United States title. When they gave him the funny accent and brought on uh, General Aziz and all that stuff, it really made no sense. It was like a reverse Kofi Kingston. You went from speaking with an American accent to now having this funny accent, the way Kofi dropped his Jamaican accent for a full-on American uh, English voice. I'm happy to see Apollo going back to his roots and becoming this fighter again and actually showing something. I don't really know enough about the Giovanni Vici character. I know who he is. He was with Walter. I know that together with uh, the gentleman that uh, is with uh, Walter on SmackDown, now known as Kaiser, uh, they were the tag team champions of both NXT UK and NXT in the United States. But I don't know what the whole character is. Is he a James Bond? Is he a male model? What the deal is there? Uh, whatever the case may be, though, I'm sure they're going to have a great matchup that next week on NXT, and I will be here to cover it. But it just seemed like, of all people, to cut off Apollo Crews. I know they start trying to make a new star, but they're also trying to rebuild up Apollo Crews. So either way, they're going to hurt one of them, depending on who goes over. Uh, we then get a vignette for newcomer J.D. McDone. Uh, this was the young man who was the interim Cruiserweight champion in NXT UK when uh, the Cruiserweight title went missing. And, you know, they had to uh, have a fill-in champion for a little while. He then came to the United States, lost to uh, the, the Cruiserweight champion at the time here, and the titles were unified. So he's had a name change because he left NXT UK in a Loser Leaves Town match. And um, I'll be honest with you, I can't wait to see him in the United States. So here's to him. I, I know he's a great competitor. Travis Waller then took on Carmelo Hayes for the North American title. Technically sound battle from beginning to end. Hayes continues to back up his claims and shine. He is definitely the A champion, in my opinion, in NXT. Now, why I say that is because as the North American champion, he has to defend his title every week uh, and be on TV constantly. Braun Breaker, not so much, but he's been doing it anyway. But Carmelo is definitely putting on a great show. Waller continues to grow. I hated Grayson Waller uh, very much so. I, I did not like the character. I thought that he was just another version of Tyler Breeze mixed a little bit with Miz. And I don't mind the Miz, and I didn't mind Tyler Breeze, but when you mix those two together, it gets a little annoying. But when I see him actually in the ring, not cutting an annoying promo, it's good. And he's been doing a great job. Hayes got the win uh, with his top rope uh, leg drop on a standing Grayson Waller, uh, and that's pretty hard to do when Grayson is so uh, so tall, 
thought it was a, a great way to end the matchup. Big ups to this uh, this match. We then had the NXT Tag Team title matchup. Roderick Strong and Damon Kemp taking on the Creed Bros. I don't understand why the Diamond Mind had the feud here. I'm not getting it. I'm not understanding Roderick Strong's even place in the company right now. As we all know, Roderick Strong would probably love to be in AEW with the Undisputed Era. Uh, but he's stuck in the WWE. So they gave him Diamond Mind. Then they took away Malcolm Bivens. And now he's basically the mouthpiece and the coach and the main guy in Diamond Mind. But the Creed Bros are shy, outshining him. They added Damon Kemp. Why? I don't know. Um, Roddy just seems, you know, over it and done. But the matchup was good. All four men shined indefinitely. Solid tag match with all of Diamond Mind showing up and showing out here, in my opinion. Roddy hit a devastating knee. Kemp used his suplexes as best as he could. But the Creed Bros, that innovative offense is unbelievable. You see them go transition from a suplex to a slam to a drop kick. They go up to the top rope. They do high-flying moves. But then they're just so big that it's like, how are you even doing this and still have time to breathe? Um, the Creed Bros got the win after that devastating clothesline from Julius Creed. They get the win. Damon Kemp congratulates them. Roddy seems complacent, not sure what to do with himself. And then we just go to a commercial. Uh, vignette for newcomer Axiom, who is apparently the rebranded A-Kid. I'm digging all the new guys and the way NXT is promoting them. We have not gotten vignettes in a long time. So to see NXT bring that back, I'm enjoying it. Uh, I think that this is a new age for NXT. I know they're NXT 2.0. But if they keep with this old school feel and keep going back to things that work, we could be seeing a lot of uh, really, really good wrestling as well as storytelling. Uh, and then it was time for the main event, Braun Breaker taking on Cameron Grimes. I love the way this feud was put together and that Grimes felt that he was being disrespected because he had no name value, even though he's made a name for himself for the last few years, both an impact and here in NXT. Uh, Braun Breaker, you know, pretty much just telling him, hey, it is what it is. I'm the champion. You're not. Uh, incredible main event, but should have been given more time. This matchup was like 13 minutes long. I think that this matchup should have been at least 20 to 25 minutes long. You don't promote a storyline for four weeks straight leading into a, a show like this. And then, oh, well, we're only going to give you 14 minutes, you know, 12 minutes, whatever it was. It's just ridiculous to me. They should have been given more time. Cameron Grimes, double stomp, amazing. Absolutely incredible offense from him. Braun Breaker continues to be a powerhouse. The main storyline was, is his shoulder that torn up after going into the buckle? And could he really do all the things that we're used to him doing? And he could. He, he gutted it out and he got the win. Braun Breaker gets the win, retains the NXT title, celebrates, goes up the ramp. And then J.D. McDowell, the newcomer, with a surprise attack on Braun Breaker after the matchup, did a pulling in north uh excuse me a pulling in german suplex into the table every piece of food goes everywhere and jd just uh sits there looks on and down at braun breaker so i guess a new cha uh, challenger has emerged from the shadows to uh get at mr breaker 
Uh, I'm giving this show a four out of five. Again, the show was great, but some of the matches were too quick and needed more time, in my opinion. But again, definitely a passing grade here. I liked NXT Great American Bash more so than I did uh, Money in the Bank. Uh, but I, that's happened a lot. You know, when NXT does a, uh, a pay-per-view or a show like this, and it's in the same time frame as a WWE show, NXT usually gets out better and, and, and faster than the WWE does. So, two good shows, though. Decent, you know, really good, good to watch. Next week, we will be, be, be back. Excuse me, sorry for all the stuttering. I uh, don't usually do that. Uh, but we will be back at our no normal format uh, in that we'll be looking at uh, AEW Dynamite and NXT 2.0. If there is time, I will mix Rampage into it, but I don't know. As I said, I usually like to record usually on Friday night, and that's when uh, Rampage airs. But if I could push it to Saturday or Sunday, like I was forced to do this week uh, from work, um, then I will go ahead and uh, include Rampage in the show. But that's fine and well. I'm sure you understand. Now on to Grinds My Gears. And again, I was just raving about women's wrestling. So please understand that when I say this, I mean it to a certain extent so that you can understand that I don't hate women's wrestling. I have always been a fan of women's wrestling. Alundra Blaze, Leilani Kai, Bull Nakano, Luna Vachon, Sherry Martel. I can't go back to the Mae Young and Fabulous Nola time frame because that was way before my time. But I, I do have some favorites from back in the day. And I will say this. Women's wrestling has a place in a show. And yes, in the last few years, the women have main evented. Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, Ronda Rousey main eventing WrestleMania. Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair main eventing WrestleMania night one. But the amount of times that women have main evented a Raw or a SmackDown in the last few months is ridiculous. There is no reason for every week on Raw for the women to main event. I get that this week it was Becky Lynch versus Asuka in a no-holds-barred street fight. But damn it, we have seen that match time and time again. We all know what's going to happen. Either Asuka's going to blow the mist in Becky's eyes, or it's not going to be blown in Becky's eyes, and one of them is going to win. More, more times than not, it's Becky. Asuka has only beaten Becky in the last couple of years once. Okay, it's getting played out and overdone. We can only see so many six women tag matches and five women uh, face off in a fatal four way for a shot at the title in the main event of Raw. It's ridiculous. And it's being done on SmackDown too. Maybe not this week because this week's main event was garbage. It was Ma Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. It turned into Drew McIntyre versus Butch. Drew beat him in three minutes and then they sliced the ring rope in half with a knife. That was pure BS, but it wouldn't have helped if it was a woman's match either. The ratings are in the toilet, and I'm not blaming it all on women's wrestling. Raw and SmackDown have become predictable. These last couple of weeks, I have only finally watched a full Raw and SmackDown since WrestleMania. 
It's only been the last couple of weeks since before then, though. WrestleMania was the last time I watched a full Raw or SmackDown. And that was just so I could familiarize myself with what the matches were for WrestleMania. Now, I get it. It's a new day and age. Women's wrestling has a place. And they can main event a show, a pay-per-view, a television show, a weekly show. That's fine and well. But we don't have to have it every single week. It has been two months According to analytics, when you look into it, since a male versus male singles tag match, six man tag, or fatal five way, or whatever it was, has main evented Monday Night Raw. On SmackDown, it's been a little more give and take, but it's every so often, every couple weeks, it's a woman's main event. Again, I get that it's a new day and age and that the women should be main eventing as well, but it does not have to be every week. It's getting boring and repetitive. In the span of two weeks, we watched a fatal five-way so that Carmella can get a shot at Bianca Belair for the women's world title on Raw at Money in the Bank. The following week, we then saw a fatal five-way so that Becky Lynch can get into the Money in the Bank matchup. Do you realize how ridiculous that sounds? For the last couple of weeks, even before then, it was Oscar versus Becky Lynch every week. I get it. These feuds matter. I'm not saying they don't. I think the women are doing a fantastic job. But maybe we need to switch it up a little bit and make it about everybody instead of just the women's division. Maybe if you had the United States title be defended in the main event of Raw i.e. when Lashley and Austin Theory were feuding, maybe it wouldn't have been so bad and you could have had them have a main event match. Maybe you could have done uh, the Usos versus the Street Profits on Raw leading into Money in the Bank. Or one of the Usos taking on Montez Ford or Angela Dawkins. Maybe you could have had The Miz taking on Rey Mysterio Jr. So that when you would have done that battle royal, it would have made more sense for Mysterio to be eliminated by Miz. But no, we're not getting that. We're getting an overly done, pushed atmosphere with the same women's matches every single week. Now, again, I hope that there will be change elicited when Triple H and Stephanie are fully put in charge and Vince is out and whoever else is a part of creative gets thrown out and they rewrite the book a little bit. But I'm getting tired of it. I could not watch Monday Night Raw as I just did for many months and still be caught up with everything going on because it's the same damn thing every damn week. So maybe it's not changing the main event. Maybe I'm not really saying that the women shouldn't be main eventing. Maybe I'm not complaining about that. Maybe I'm complaining about it being the same carbon copy week in and week out. Austin Theory attacks Laxley and gets away with it. Rey Mysterio and Dominic are in dire straits and need help. The, uh, the the women are, are main eventing, so we get Oscar versus Becky in some way, shape, or form. Carmella comes out and parades around and dances. Catch my drift. It's the same damn thing every week. They even found a way to mess up Judgment Day. Edge was doing just fine with Rhea Ripley and Damian Priest. They added Finn Balor. Edge got thrown away. And now we get Damian Priest and Finn Balor as a tag team. That's fine and well, but they're now in a feud with the Mysterios. Who didn't see that happening? 
Rhea Ripley is out with injury. Don't know when she might be back. And they got Edge doing these cryptid opening vignettes where it looks like it could be Bray Wyatt, but you know it's Edge because of all the damn things that they're showing in the background. This makes no sense, ladies and gentlemen. Wrestling as a whole has become crap. Well, no, I'll reiterate that. The WWE as a whole has become crap. Other wrestling companies are flourishing. AEW, although they might not be getting the ratings, are flourishing. Impact Wrestling is flourishing. MLW is doing a fantastic job. Yeah, I said it again. That's four. <laughs> New Japan, Ring of Honor, although it's under the AEW banner, everyone's talking about them. At Ring of Honor's pay-per-view, we're going to get FTR versus the Briscoe Brothers. That's going to be an incredible matchup. A matchup that we should watch over and over again because those are two of the best tag teams. It's 1A and 1B in the world today. So WWE, wake up. It's the same old shit. It ain't good. It ain't good for business. It's not such good shit anymore. People are getting tired. And before they change the channel, you may want to give them the opportunity to see what's going on and to see that you can put on a quality wrestling show once again. So, that's going to do it for me. I want to thank you guys very much for listening. I want to thank you guys, as always, for joining me. And I will see you next week, as always, on If You Smell, what the arch is cooking.